Oh, hi, Samantha. You look more like a Heather. Do you ever get that? It's nice to finally meet you in person. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, The Wrestling Life. Hey everybody, it's Wrestling Life. It's episode 227. It is, wow, it's episode 227 on 227.20. I'm Ethan. My goodness, and I'm Liam. Fortuitous Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many things that we cannot talk about. Uh, There's an AEW pay-per-view coming up this weekend. There was a WWE pay-per-view earlier today. There's so many things going on. NXT and AEW were last night. Um, AEW won every single uh, ratings demographic, including the fifties. They got the they, they got, got the, the old timers. The olds wanted to see the way in. I think Gary Michael Capetta was really the guy that. Tipped the uh, tipped the the ratings for to the to the olds to the AEW side last night. Yeah, I mean you hate to see all these stars from the Attitude Era having to come back to bolster a rating, but you know it's good to have those gunslingers out there when you need them. Gary Michael Capetta is way before that too. I mean, like he's the voice of that, like the ring announcer voice of that eighty nine to ninety three era. Oh yeah. <laughs> You're right. Uh, saw him at Russell Kong last year with his table. There's a, there's a piece to the Gary Michael Capetta puzzle that I'm missing. Like he goes to all these, he does all. He's on the conve- the wrestling convention circuit, and uh, but I never see anyone at his table. And he does like live shows at you know Chuckles Comedy Hut or whatever. And I can't imagine anyone buying a ticket to go to them. And yet he's been at both of those ventures for like 17 years or 20 years, mm-hmm. and he's still doing it. So like he is either independently wealthy, or these <laughs> things these things draw in a way that I do not understand. But that's my Gary Michael Capetta <laughs> piece. Fascinating. When I'm complaining about this show going like. 58 minutes. Remember that I spent three minutes on Gary Michael Capetta. Oh, I will. All right. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Bianca Belair was supposed to... Charlotte Flair is supposed to tip the balance of this ratings battle on Wednesday nights to NXT. And I, her, I, heard, her, I heard Beth Phoenix refer to her as a mainstream star. She called her, and I quote, the woman. Hmm. In yet the latest iteration of the fans demanding anyone but, but Charlotte and WWE responding with giving them Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, so obviously that didn't work. And at this point, what is there that WWE can do to tip the balance back? And I would say watching the shows last night, I don't even think the quality of the shows was close. NXT is always better better when it's uh, building towards something, and they really don't have anything to build towards for a few weeks. 
Yeah. And, and so last night I thought was pretty dull. What did you think of the Wednesday night shows? What can NXT do? Is Charlotte <laughs> Becky's the man, but Charlotte's the woman? Uh, what right. are your What are your thoughts on all of these things? Yeah, I mean, if if the greatest female wrestler of, in WWE history can't tip the balances, I don't I don't know what uh, what you could do really. But no, I don't. Uh, to your point, NXT is like never bad. Mm-hmm. There are very few times, as long as they have you know done NXT on the network or now on USA Network, where I watched it and I was like, that sucked. I hated that. I'm mad that I watched it. You know, the things I usually think when I watch like Smackdown, for instance. Right. Uh, never, never do I think that way when I watch NXT. It's a fine show. But even I felt the build for the World's Collide show and then for this past takeover, like on paper, it's good. And there were some good segments leading up to it, but it just it feels cold and that sometimes I think that's a hard feeling to shake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, you're you're going back to old programs. You're going back to, I guess, pay off the Gargano Ciampa feud that you never got to pay off because Ciampa got hurt. Um, which is, again, on paper, that's fine. Those guys will have a great match and they're both very talented. Ciampa's a very talented speaker and I think Gargano's a good promo too and they could, I'm sure it'll be fine, but that doesn't excite me. I like Finn Balor a lot. I like Adam Cole a lot. If they do Adam Cole versus Finn Balor for the NXT title, I, I'm again, I think it'll be a good match. But I'm not like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta see that show. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, I don't, yeah. I don't really know how they shake that feeling that even if they do start to present you with with fresher matchups. The show itself just kind of feels like it's in this default holding pattern as far as the way the shows are laid out. And whatever you think of Dynamite, like, I don't think that show feels particularly predictable every week. And I wonder if that is part of why the shows feel different. Because obviously there's good wrestling matches on NXT almost, if not every week. And there's probably a good promo or two if you have Adam Cole or Ciampa or somebody. But it's just, eh, it just feels like a very by the numbers okay wrestling show uh, and AEW's shows tend to feel a little bit more unpredictable a little bit more exciting I think I think that's fair AEW's big go home show for Revolution last night Chris Jericho busted his face open and needed seven stitches to close it Gary Michael Capetta uh, John Moxley Orange Cassidy and The Bunny doing comedy I liked there was there was something pretty much in every segment that I liked on that show and that's not always the case every week. Yeah. I, I can usually pick a nit here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh but uh, very difficult to do that with dynamite. Are you excited I, are you excited for the pay per view? What did you think of the dynamite show? Yeah, I would say I'm I'm certainly interested in those top matches. Um Jericho, we've talked about a hundred times. He, on paper, speaking of on paper, is the most embarrassing man in all of wrestling. But he is a captivating television character, and uh, I think Moxley's been really good too. I'm interested in that match. I'm interested in the Hangman and Kenny versus Young Bucks match. I'm interested in Cody and MJF. So that's that's three matches that I'm kind of invested and interested in. And then. Uh, <laughs> 
I mean, it's it's funny because you know the old adage is uh, like you know funny funny don't draw money, and that's probably <laughs> still right. That's probably still mostly true. But uh, I got pretty excited for Orange Cassidy versus Pac. Honestly, I just think that's going to be a a good deal of fun. Yeah, that is that that is going to be very fun. Uh, I'm not generally a big fan of the best friends, but when they cut a promo and said that <clears throat> Orange Cassidy's going to try, <laughs> I thought that was really good. Yeah, that was funny. That was really funny. All right, let's run down this uh, Revolution card real quick. Uh, pre-show match, SCU against the Dark Order. Heavily teased this week that... I mean, they're, they're just teasing everybody. They teased Matt Hardy this week as being the exalted one. I've read that Matt Hardy's contract is up March 1. So that would mean that he would not be able to be on the pay-per-view on Saturday. I'm not convinced that it's Matt Hardy, but I think a lot of people, I think they played into the fact that a lot of people think it's Matt Hardy. Uh, do you have a guess on the exalted one of the Dark Order? Do you think they know? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, I also, so Matt Hardy has a thing kind of like, there's a few guys, Ziggler is like this, where like the more they tweet, about something or reference something, the less I believe it. Yeah. And so Matt Hardy's basically been talking about how he's going to leave since like December of last year. Right. And it's like, well, the more he does that, the more I assume we're going to find out he signed a new contract and he'll be back on TV in, you know, a month or whatever, or the night after WrestleMania or something. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think they've been clever as far as teasing different people. Um, Obviously, Raven was teased, and and Hardy's been teased, and and stuff like that. So I think you can do, obviously the the as far as an in house answer, I don't hate the idea of I think we've talked about it on the show before of Christopher Daniels being the higher power twenty right. years after he was supposed to be <laughs> and then wasn't. Right, right. Like I think there's some poetry in that, and I think it would be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know, I. That, I mean, now, if you're looking to turn, if you're still trying to turn that, <laughs> you're stubbornly still trying to turn that Dark Order act into, like, a top-tier act, I don't think Chris Daniels or Matt Hardy is what gets you to that level. Mm-hmm. Maybe Matt Hardy a little bit more so than, than Daniels, just because the broken stuff is, is, I think, would still be very over with the hardcore crowd, but... Mm-hmm. Eh. I don't know. Like I, I would be fine with it being either of those guys. I kind of maybe on a creative level like the Daniels idea a little bit more, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't break my heart if it was Matt Hardy. I don't know. I don't have another like any really other an- answers than that. Although I did see a, someone, uh, one of the guys who like posts old wrestling was posting clips of uh, Jim Mitch, James Mitchell on from TNA the other day. I was like, yeah, just make it the Sinister Minister. He's he's <laughs> he's still awesome. I bet he's awesome. He's a Satanist. And he's absolutely insane. So absolutely. <laughs> that's what I know. And he does a Van Halen uh, tribute band. That's these incredible. Things, I didn't know that. These are the things I know about the Sinister Minister. Yeah. Um, all righty. Uh, we touched on Pack and Orange Cassidy. Going to be awesome. Uh, Nyla Rose and Chris Statlander for the women's title. Mm-hmm. I, di- I didn't hate the women's match on AEW this week. 
Like, everybody, for the most part, in that division is super, super green. Mm-hmm. But I didn't hate that match this week. And uh, Nyla and Chris Statlander, I mean, that's... It's going to be a struggle unless they script this out move for move and execute it flawlessly. What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think um, Nyla's two and arguably only good matches in AEW have been with Riho. Yeah. And um, Riho's obviously not in this match. And we've seen Chris Statlander look pretty good in some matches. And we've also seen her look very, very green in other matches. So... Yeah, I think it would be best if this was kept short. And to your point, it's not always a bad thing to to plan your matches out, move for move, spot for spot, if that's what it takes to have a if that will make it a better match or a more a more constructive match. Right. Um, and then yeah, you can. I would assume since Nyla just won that she will win here, and then you can move on to Sheeta or whoever else and uh, and go from there so yeah I, I agree that this should probably be kept short and uh, <laughs> uh, practiced as much as possible there's a real lack of focus when it comes to that women's division and some of it I feel like is their fault and some of it is like stuff that's out of, out of their control sometimes mm-hmm. like Chris Statlander got the flu this week and wasn't on dynamite feels like they're pushing Britt Baker but she's not getting a title match. Chris Statlander kind of came out of nowhere to get this title match. Big Swole, all of a sudden, who's not even in the rankings, was kind of in a number one contender match by default for this title. Riho lost the title and just disappeared. Sheeta is, like, every third show, she wins a number one contenders match (laughs) (laughs) and never wrestles for the title. Like there's, it's just I want I have no idea what's going on with that division. That's all I got. Yeah, no, I think that's those are all fair uh, fair critiques of it. I would like to see it be a little bit more focused, and I'd like to see them start to build more stories. I think a lot of times it's just somebody comes out, they wrestle somebody, or the champion wrestles somebody, and then a person comes out, have the stare down with the champion or whatever. And we just, that's the, that's the one angle we shoot, and then we do the title match. So I would certainly like to see a little bit more effort put into the uh, that women's division. Yeah. Jake Hager and Dustin Rhodes are going to wrestle. <laughs> I like Dustin. I don't like Jake, even though I think he was kind of criminally underused in WWE, uh, for the most part, till he got this weed the people push and then got pulled over with a bunch of weed in his car. Um <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> they strapped the rocket to him, and he immediately self-sabotaged. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't really care who wins. Feels like there's the there's more mileage in the Hager character, and so that's probably where they're going to go. But I personally uh, don't care about this match. No, and like, I, yeah, I I like Dustin the character. I think a role for him might be like in a tag team with a younger wrestler. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. Maybe something like I was a him and steamboat were tag partners in WCW for a while. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. It but, doesn't, I mean, I, it doesn't ring a bell. I think it was Shane Douglas and steamboat. Okay. Um, but he, uh, 
I could be wrong on that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Anyway, but just the idea of him sort of now being in the role as the veteran of the team and some, I don't know, pick pick a young guy, Darby Allen, who also paints half of his face, for instance. <laughs> um, but the half-face, the half-face paint guys. Yes. We'll call them. <laughs> and uh, no, I, I, but I don't know, something like that. I think, I think him in a team with a younger, with a younger guy would probably be the best usage of him. And if you want to continue to push Hager as the, the big heavy of, of, uh, the top heel group, then yeah, Hager should probably win, I guess. But it would, yeah, again, it would not break my heart if Dustin just won either. So if we stick with the half moon theme with Dustin and Darby, what if they both also wore trunks that only covered one leg <laughs> and they just had a butt cheek hanging out? So you could really, they're the half faces and they're the half moons, you know? They're the half men. Yes. The hell's, uh, wrong. the hell's wrong with us? That's a Jim Hurd idea, if I've ever heard one. Damn right. Uh, uh, speaking of Darby, Darby versus Sammy Guevara. They started these Darby... First of all, I watch this show every week, and I don't remember them doing a big injury angle with Darby Allen. Maybe I'm just... Maybe I've just getting old and I don't remember stuff as well as I used to. But anyway, then they treated it like, Oh, it's Darby Allen has returned a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, I don't remember him being missing, but then while he was out uh, and not on the show every week, he was doing these video promos where he was uh, taunting Jericho. So I assume that Jericho's beating Moxley here and that Jericho and Darby is where they're going next. And so I think Darby's going to beat Sammy Guevara pretty handily. Do you have a read on that? Yeah, that that all makes sense to me. The injury angle was Darby came down to try to make the save for somebody, and Jericho and Sammy uh, drove his him throat first into his own skateboard. Okay, maybe maybe that's the problem. That's just... why he doesn't talk now. That's why he's Ugh. using the cue cards. It's because his... I. His larynx was damaged. Now, what they need to do is do the steamboat thing where he goes, where you steamboat getting a lot of play on this show here. <laughs> um, the steamboat thing where uh, where he goes to a monastery and they teach him, he needs to relearn how to talk. <laughs> Maybe could you have one of your 28 announcers talk about this? <laughs> I don't know if they said, I mean, in the prom, I think they talked about it when he did his big return last week in Atlanta. Because right. he went right after Sammy Guevara, and I think they mentioned that Guevara put him out of action. They may not have specifically mentioned by crushing his throat with the skateboard. Right. Anyway, I would find that helpful. I'll, yeah, they're... All right, great. Um, I think they put uh, Dustin with Barry Windham. Okay, yeah. And they were wrestling Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat, if I'm... Okay. Remember correctly? That sounds right. But I remember then there was a there was a uh, a pay per view where they shot an angle where Barry Windham got, like got his hand slammed in a car door by a mystery attacker and Dustin okay. had to team with, Dustin had to team with somebody else against Douglas and Steamboat or something. Anyway, okay, I... <laughs> sure, tremendous. A lot of ninety one WCW talk <laughs> on this show for some reason. Anyway, I'd have been much more prepared, much better prepared for this like a year ago when I was I was mowing through those WCW pay-per-views on the network. (laughs) Yeah, 
That was my wheelhouse. All right. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are wrestling the Young Bucks. Omega and Page are the AEW Tag Champions. I think they finally did a really good job of explaining this angle (laughs) (laughs) with Jim Ross this week. Like, if you watch Being the Elite, maybe it's more clear to you. I don't know. I don't watch Being the Elite. I know you do sometimes. Yeah. But for, for those who don't have an extra... Uh, 20 minutes to devote to the Young Bucks every mm-hmm. week. They uh, they they spelled all of this out on television. The countdown show for this was awesome, by the way. Um, and uh, it's a shame that only like 300,000 people saw it. But obviously they're building to Page and Omega uh, splitting. It's just a question of where and when, right? Yep. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think you're the way you lay it out makes sense to me. They're, they're gonna they're gonna change uh, the titles somewhere, whether or not that's this week or in a month on TV or something. That's that's not quite clear here, but yeah, I think it'll be a very good match either way. And I do agree with you that they did a better job explaining exactly kind of why Hangman is really agitated and doesn't really like the bucks anymore. Right. And why he's kind of, he's kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop with Kenny, even though they're the tag champions. So it's like, I, I think they've done a good job with, with that. And especially this week where they, sometimes you need to treat your audience like they're four years old and, or, and then to your point, they haven't really t- expl- explained it at all. So not even treating them like they're four, <laughs> but just expressly saying, this is what the story is. This is what the motivations of our leading men are. And this is why they feel the way they feel and why they're acting the way they're acting. Sometimes that's helpful to just, you know, to just yeah. spell that out directly. And to your point, not ask people or expect people to, uh, you know, look at Twitter or YouTube stuff. Right. MJF is wrestling Cody. Um, should be good. Yeah, I, I don't I don't have a gauge for this because they've been feuding for like nine weeks now. But it's still the first match, so I don't know. I don't if you know MJF gets a, a heel win here. If you do something where you know Cody gets DQ'd for kicking too much ass, or, or what you do, like I don't I don't have a real strong feel for like what the finish should be or will be. I think that's understandable. Um, can I just remind you that they've actually been feuding for like sixteen weeks. You're right. <laughs> the pay-per-view was like on November 8th, where MJF turned on Cody. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We were there. I forgot. Uh, no, I, I was thinking of it as like whatever the, with the start of the year when they were in Miami right, right. or whatever. But you're right. No, you're absolutely right. This actually kicked off in mid-November <laughs> of last year, or maybe early November of last yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it should be good, though. Uh, I do think someone should have the balls to stand up in AEW and say, look, Arn Anderson, great promo, loved the enforcer back in the day, probably a very valuable wrestling mind, but this stupid gimmick where he's the babyface manager who dresses like a college football coach and carries a laminated piece of paper around with him, covers his mouth with it when he's talking like a football coach, and hollers out plays to Cody is the <laughs> Is the dirt worst, dumbest gimmick, <laughs> and it needs I, to it needs to stop. I just want to see it where like 
they need to time it so like Cody's going for the disaster kick, <laughs> but like mid move, he just like jumps up onto the rope. He's like, "What do I do now?" <laughs> and Arn has to be like, "Do the kick." He's like, right, and then he does the kick. Uh, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Again, if especially for a baby face to have that and. Yeah. Generally, and we talked about this off the air, but like if you have a manager, and maybe this is me being an old school uh, sort of guy, but either the manager is there to talk for the wrestler who isn't a good talker, which Cody right. is a very good talker, so he doesn't right. need a manager to talk for him. Yeah. Or if, and in the case of a baby face, usually the manager is there to take a beating so that mm-hmm. the baby face has someone to get revenge for. Mm hmm. And I don't think Arn's taking any bumps. And at his age and physical stature probably shouldn't. So what what are we getting out of it's like does is this just a, the the circle of is this is Cody just the sting of of this era and he's just gonna have every person he ever trusts turn on him and it's just gonna be a parade of people uh, you know sabotaging him and then kicking him in the balls when he least suspects it. I mean, I think that's probably for the best. It's the only way it makes sense. <laughs> in the yeah. end. Yeah. I guess but, they did kind of tease it in the cage match that Arn was or MJF wanted Arn yeah. to throw the cage at Cody's head. Yeah. And then he didn't, so which if you remember they did like four three or four spots between the pay per views and T V where heels asked mjf to turn on cody and he didn't before he finally did so right it could very well end up being that we're just doing that again but it's also like mjf doesn't mean arn either so (laughs) no he's the best talker in the company (laughs) right so i don't i don't see how arn turning on cody unless it's like not part of this feud and he he turns to help whoever cody feuds with after the mjf feud is over i don't know man yeah uh, Jericho and Moxley for the title is the main event of this show. Um, said earlier, I think Jericho's retaining. I don't know how you do that and keep Moxley strong, but I trust that they'll figure out a way to do it. Yeah, I think so too. It just doesn't feel like it's quite time to take the belt off of Jericho yet. And, uh, yeah, I suspect that Moxley is going to be beloved no matter what, but they're at least they so far have not made any of their baby faces like really look like idiots either so mm-hmm. or uh so yeah i i suspect they will they will take care of everybody involved all right uh wwe's super showdown was earlier today um these shows are pretty much undefeated at knocking me unconscious like I put, I, t- I turned them on with every intention of watching the shows, and I started watching this one today. I watched the pre-show match. I watched the prestigious Toyk Trophy uh, Gauntlet match. And I had, I was was kind of, I was doing some work, and I had it on in the background. And then John Morrison and the Miz uh, entered. Oof. Uh, they were still on the stage, and I just passed out and woke up hours later. And the television was off, so I have no idea what happened. I had to figure out what happened later, but I have no idea how long I was out for. Uh, All I know is these shows are dull. The crowds are dead. (laughs) The sound is terrible. 
Like the announce the announcers were cutting in and out on this show in addition to the crowd not being mic'd very well and even the ring is not mic'd very well. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know, just everything about these shows is atrocious. The Undertaker flew all the way to Saudi Arabia to shoot his WrestleMania angle with AJ Styles, which was beating him for the prestigious Tawaik Mountain Trophy. Exciting. Any, any interest in AJ Styles and Undertaker at WrestleMania? I mean, perversely, yes. <laughs> um, I think AJ Styles has had a very fascinating string of WrestleMania matches. Sure. In that he's going to have, I don't know, maybe by the time he retires, let's say he wrestles five more years after this, if that. Um, most of his WrestleMania matches will have been bad and or disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the match with Jericho, the match with Nakamura. His best match was probably going to end up being the Shane McMahon match, um, which is staggering. And yeah, he's gonna he's gonna wrestle Pop Pop. I don't know. He's just, it's it's interesting. It's we've we've set up we're setting up some generational clashes for this year's <laughs> WrestleMania. Sure are. Uh, Umberto Carrillo lost. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Let me just go in order here. Morrison and Miz uh, beat New Day for the SmackDown Tag Titles. Which boy is that a slap mm-hmm. in the face? That's a slap in the face to the New Day. It really is. We just keep <laughs> like God. God bless. It's also like a waste of both the Miz and Morrison to put them in this nostalgia tag team that no one has any nostalgia for whatsoever. And then have that be the New Day, who are actually good. That's that's embarrassing. Uh, Angel Garza beat Humberto Carrillo on this show. Uh, that sounds good. Angel Garza is really, really, really special. Yeah, he's he's got something that very few people who have been wrestling for like 10 years have. Um, and he's got it already. And I just hope they realize that. And I don't know what the short-term or long-term plans are or were with him. Obviously, he was only originally brought up because Andrade got suspended. Right. But, man, they got something, whether you have them as a team for a while and then split them off to feud or whatever. Like, so, There's something there with, I think, especially with him and Andrade and Zelina Vega in the middle of that. Like, There's there's something real real strong and interesting there. And we've, we spoke a, a bit off the air about how rare it can be to get like interested or excited in... In, in WWE's uh, match matchmaking, and yeah. uh, that would be something that would be interesting to me. So, yeah, I hope they realize what they got with with this Garza guy because yeah, I think he's he's real good. Yep, Rollins and Murphy beat the Street Profits to retain the Raw Tag Titles. Mansoor beat Dolph Ziggler, which I might have to go back and watch just for the comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, of watching Dolph Ziggler lose to a guy who's on TV twice a year, uh, but not hey, the first I... time a Republican has uh, you know bowed down to the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Tremendous. Brock squashed Ricochet. Why do we have to put Ricochet in this match? We literally could have put anyone else on the roster because the people in charge wanted to let you, you personally know that if you like Ricochet, you're dumb. You're an idiot. <laughs> And he's a lo- and he's a small loser. 
and he'll <laughs> never be as cool or big or strong as Brock. And if he wrestles Brock, he's going to get destroyed because he's a loser, and you're a loser for liking him. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, that was... It's going to well. take a big, strong, tall man like Drew McIntyre <laughs> to beat Brock Lesnar. That's the message. Small, yeah. skinny men like Ricochet and Kofi Kingston and Rey Mysterio, they can't beat Brock. You need a big, muscular, tall man to do it. <laughs> yeah. Roman beat King Corbin in a cage match. Bailey beat Naomi to retain the SmackDown Women's title. And then Goldberg won the Universal title with four spears escaping a mandible claw and uh, a couple knee strikes and a jackhammer. So Goldberg and Roman Reigns is probably the WrestleMania match for the Universal title, which honestly is infinitely more interesting to me than uh, Roman Reigns against The Fiend. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. I've been trumpeting this on Twitter as soon as this match was announced that that was the match to make. And, like, for better or worse, this is... WWE has built itself up where you build up the full-time stars to job them out to the part-timers. Like, that's what they're kind of there for now. And in the immediate future, if you look short-term, Goldberg versus Roman Reigns is a much, much bigger more WrestleMania-worthy match than Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt. It just is. And, like, we've talked for months. They didn't have to put the belt on The Fiend, you know? (laughs) Wrestling's fake. You don't have to do anything. Right. You didn't have to put the belt on The Fiend and then decide it wasn't working and take it off of him last minute. But they did. Um, And I think we've both been in agreement for a while that the best use of The Fiend is... That you let him do his, his wacky puppet shows, and then maybe he wrestles for maybe four times a year. Yep. And he doesn't need, he certainly doesn't need to be the world champion on any shows. So I think this is best for everybody involved. Yep. Yep. And then Goldberg and Roman can go out there and have a crazy sprint. Yeah. Let him go. Yeah. Let him go four minutes and just do nothing but big moves and hey if people are mad at uh, at Goldberg for winning the title then hey maybe you'll finally get Roman Reigns cheered in a Wrestlemania main event <laughs> by being the guy that beats Goldberg yeah so interesting set up an interesting I don't know at least a more interesting Wrestlemania show uh, on the Smackdown side uh, after today John Cena and Bray Wyatt we're gonna get to see John Cena do some acting because they set up that match. Oh, C- yeah. Cena returns to SmackDown tomorrow. Um, buh, buh, buh. Let's see. Anything else to get into here? Oh, New Japan canceled all their shows for the first half of March, which uh, is kind of like a snow day for me. <laughs> uh, obviously, the Steve Carino virus is very dangerous. <laughs> but... Um, Hopefully. So hopefully they get all that squared away. Um, thinking of maybe going to Japan uh, for Wrestle Kingdom next year, unless of course we're all dead because of the coronavirus. So 
hopefully, hopefully all of this is under control one way or the other. The good news is the Trump administration fired the entire uh, pandemic response team in the United States government and didn't replace them. So now Mike Pence is in charge of <laughs> of our response to the steep green virus. Yes, Mike Pence, who uh, famously was somewhat responsible for an HIV outbreak in his own state while he was governor. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's in charge. And, uh, you know, but it's great, though, because we have that, that great uh, fighting party on the other side of the aisle who has told us that they're going to work to make sure this vi- this uh, any potential vaccine against this virus is affordable. <laughs> Not free because people will die if they don't get it. Affordable. <laughs> All right. Um, is there anything else uh, besides politics that you would like to get into before we sign off this week? No, I think I'm uh, <laughs> I'm all wound up, but not about wrestling. I think we've uh, we've covered all the bases and as far as wrestling goes. All right, we got all our Steve Carino mentions in. We talked 1991 WCW ad nauseum. Gary McIntyre talk, good to go. All right, <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody, and enjoy the AEW show this weekend. And as always, you can follow Liam on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast. You can find my stuff at WrestlingReserve.com. And until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Give me a second here. <laughs> Shut up! Alrighty. I didn't want... I didn't watch the debate this week. Was it any good? It was the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> they just first the moderators were like the worst moderators of all time, and people are just yelling over each other. And like I don't understand why if you ask one person a question, you don't just mute everyone else. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't mute anybody. So just like there would be like four people talking at once. And the moderators weren't really saying anything to try to get it under control. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, the funny part of that was like Pete kept trying to interrupt people and then getting shouted down because he's a sniveling little coward. <laughs> um, so that was fun. But the rest of it, it was it was it was trash. A lot of, uh, you know, everybody's coming, coming for Bernie and uh, asking him to defend to, to things he said in like 1981. And um because he, I guess, praised like the reading initiative, the literacy initiative of Cuba during the Castro administration, and mm-hmm. uh, so we we talked about communism for a while. That was fun <laughs> and uh, super relevant and important to what our everyday Americans uh, are concerned about is, you know, whether or not somebody liked or didn't like Fidel Castro. <laughs> You know how people in the Bible Belt are always, you know, hotly debating Fidel Castro. I mean, isn't that just about scaring the olds away from Bernie, though? Yes. Okay. That's, that's exactly what that is. <laughs> um, okay. okay.
they threw Bloomberg a lot of softballs about um, his yeah very increasingly everyday uh, worst record when it comes to like yep. every category that Democrats are supposed to appeal to. Right, right, right. Um, but yeah, other than that, it was it's it's not it's not worth your time. Like those those little I don't know if you watched any like the little like the single candidate town halls that CNN does. No, I've watched zero of them. Like they're not good, but like if you actually wanted to like get a feel for like what people think or want to hear them like come up with answers to the actual debate questions. Yeah. Like that's what you should watch. Like debates, especially debates with nine people on stage, are very stupid. Yeah. And trying to make them break everything down, you know, these potentially very complex issues into certain, you know, a ninety-second answer and a thirty-second rebuttal from the guy you name-checked while you were talking uh, is dumb, and it doesn't help anybody, and it doesn't inform anybody, and it's just a big circus and. Yeah, I think those those single candidate town halls are kind of a much better use of, any, of everyone's time. If, in fact, the goal is to actually be informed, to try to get better informed about anything, which I guess isn't really the goal for a lot of people. No, it's not. Did you happen to hear what uh, Chris Christie said that uh, Bloomberg told him once this week? No, I don't think so. Okay, so I, I just happened to, walk, to come in from Walking the Dog and... Colbert's show was on television and Chris Christie was the guest mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were talking about Bloomberg and uh, um, uh, Christie goes so you know what he said to me once <laughs> he goes uh, I had just been elected and he says hey are you excited about being governor of New Jersey Bloomberg said to Christie uh, are you mm-hmm. excited and Christie said yeah yeah I am and Bloomberg said Bloomberg's response was, there's only two jobs in politics in the United States that are worth a damn. It's the mayor of New York City and president of the United States. But good for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm obviously not a very big Chris Christie guy. <laughs> uh, but I thought that was rather funny and telling. Yeah, no, that's that tracks, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like it's one of those things where like oh it's Chris Christie Chris Christie considered the source but then you're like right. no that tracks with like <laughs> everything that you've ever heard him say publicly or privately <laughs> yes yes they can book zero interesting matches <laughs> <laughs> like main roster matches I there's not one that could excite me yeah I've been thinking about that like I think if they booked like I don't know Daniel Bryan and Ricochet I think that would be good yeah but. I know it would be like I hate to like do the Dave and Brian line, but like it would be better in any other company. <laughs> and when right. you know that, it's like, well, I'm going to see the worst possible version of the best possible match that they could put on. It's like, well, hard to get excited about that. I try to keep on keeping on.